go over Labor Day weekend. Um, and a lot of the feedback that we got was that you liked actually having it on a non-Labor Day weekend because it means less traffic. Um, and, um, and so we're going to try our best uh, for next year's venue, find a place that is still, you know, within driving distance. But hopefully next time, we hope we can all come the whole weekend with us. That's the one downside is that it's nice and close. So some of you came only on, for one day, which is nice. So we want to see for the whole weekend. And so um, please put that in your your diaries um, that next year in March on a non-neighborly weekend, so sometime the beginning of March or the end of March, we will um, go away together. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. The t place that we might go back to next year is a place that we went to three years ago, four years ago, for those of you who are with us, Alexandra Adventure Resort. Um, if those of you who were with us, we did the high ropes. Um, and I believe, Janelle, you were promised a waffle maker, or was it a toaster? A see-through toaster by Galen. So Galen, you, we're holding you accountable because Janelle completed the high ropes and you promised her that uh, toaster. <laughs> um, but yes, it was a really great weekend last weekend just um, talking about making space for God because it's so, we're so busy all the time. We're so, there's so much happening all the time. We're so distracted all the time. You know, if you go on the train or the tram or anywhere, restaurant, no one's bored anymore in the sense that everyone's got their phone, everyone's looking at their phone. And even if you're bored while you're on the phone, you're still doing something. And hardly do we take time to just be still, to be quiet, to just take some time to think, to take some time to reflect, and take time to pray. And so for those of you who attended the retreat, I really hope that you had a chance to do that. And even, you, even if you haven't, um, um, today, as I talk about prayer, I hope it inspires you to want to do that more. Um, two weeks ago, Roy talked about listening to that still small voice of God. Um, and I want to kind of expand upon that today by talking about prayer. But if you can just join me for one more word of prayer as we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that um, as we talk about this very important topic of prayer, that you would impress upon our hearts just how much you want to talk to us, how much you want to interact with us, and how much you want to reveal yourself to us. And I pray, Lord, that all those watching, all those listening, um, all those present would feel your uh, love and just your realness in their lives. I pray in your son's name. Amen. So what, what is prayer? What is prayer? And um, one of my favorite writers said this about prayer. She said, prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. You see, prayer is not this, this is one way offloading where we just kind of, you know, verbal dump on God everything we want and then walk away. That's actually a lot of times how we treat prayer, but prayer is supposed to be a time of vulnerability where we're actually opening up our hearts and showing God the darkest, deepest fears we have, what's really going on, what we're really anxious about, our true heart's desires. That's the time we let God search our hearts to reveal to us the things that are keeping us from truly experiencing the peace, the love, the joy, the freedom that he wants to give to us. It's, a top, it's supposed to be a time of intimacy. Right? 
a time when we draw close to God and God draws close to us. And if you remember two weeks ago, Roy was talking about how God speaks in a still small voice, not because he doesn't want to be heard, but because he's whispering so that we draw a little bit closer and he can whispering and there is that intimacy that we get to experience. Prayer is supposed to be a time of healing where we bring to God our hurts, our worries, our fears, and God is able to then take those hurts, take those fears and say, I've got this. You're going to be okay. And give us in exchange that peace and that healing that we need to navigate the ups and downs of life. Prayer is not a formulaic repetition, but it's a genuine conversation with God where we become more like him. Prayer is how God becomes our best friend. He becomes the one with whom we share what happened that day, what's bothering us, our craziest ideas. He's the one to whom we cry when we have no words to speak. When's the last time you prayed like that? Where you felt like you were talking to your best friend? Sometimes we think that we have to pray in a certain way, that we have to begin with our Father in heaven and end with, in Jesus' name we pray. And that is a great way to pray. But there are other ways to pray. And, there, and sometimes we think we have to, you know, um, close our eyes and fold our knees. And, you know, there's even a you know, song for children. And, and there's a reason why we do that. There are good things, um, the good reasons why those ideas developed, you know, because prayer, it helps us focus if we close our eyes and, you know, shut out the distractions. And when we fold our hands and we're in the posture of focus and concentration, it definitely helps. But is that the only way to pray? When you look in the Bible, it, there's actually so many ways that people in the Bible prayed. There was a woman named Hannah who desperately wanted a child, and she's leaning by the walls of the temple, and she's weeping, and she's praying, but she's praying in her heart, and her, only her lips are moving, and she's praying in such a way that the priest thinks she's drunk. Just before Jesus was arrested and killed, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed with his entire face down on the ground. He was just lying on the floor, right? Lying on, the, on that hard, cold earth, crying, Father, do I have to do this? But if it is your will, then I will, right? Sometimes he stood for prayer. Um, sometimes his eyes were open towards heaven. His hands were lifted. Sometimes Jesus knelt for prayer. And the songwriters in the book of Psalms would sometimes kneel for prayer. David, one of the writers of Psalms, sat for prayer. Sometimes people prayed with their hands lifted up, sometimes with their heads bowed low. All kinds of ways to pray. What matters to God is that our prayers are genuine, that our hearts are humble, and that we are open to God. Jesus said in Matthew, Chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. You see, that, that repetitive or eloquence or length, that's not what God is impressed by. Because God already knows what's on our hearts, right? 
He, God doesn't need prayer in order for our, him to know what we're thinking. He already knows our thoughts and, and our feelings. So then why do we need to pray? It's because by sharing those, prayer changes us. We're not trying to change God's mind. We're actually allowing God to change our minds. That by telling him what's on our hearts and minds, we are drawing closer to him. And we're saying, God, you take what I'm feeling and thinking, and you change those thoughts and those feelings. You minister to my needs. So instead of going to God and, and, and telling him and, and treating it that, that prayer time as an opportunity for us to um, kind of get God's seal of approval, right? Instead, prayer is that opportunity to say, God, these are my needs. These are my needs. Jesus told a story in, in uh, Luke he says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. In other words, one was someone who was, a, you know, a religious leader, someone who is active in church, and the other was somebody who, who was just a sinner who did all the wrong things. And Jesus says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, and not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, if you don't feel right with God, one thing could be happening there could be many reasons, but one possible reason is that when you go to pray, instead of going to, going to God and saying, God, here are the real needs of my heart. Here's what's really happening. Instead, we just talk about superficial things. I'm guilty of that too. When I pray to God and I tell God all the things I need, but I'm not really telling God what's really going on, how God, I'm actually really struggling Right? How how I how I'm uh, you know uh, have all these root issues that I'm dealing with, and so then we leave that prayer unchanged, like that Pharisee prays his prayer and goes his way unchanged, but the tax collector who really is honest to God leaves that place transformed, justified, forgiven. If we feel like we are just talking to the ceiling, that's because we are. You see, when you pray and you feel like, is God even listening, right? And you feel like your prayers are just kind of bouncing down from the ceiling, then that, that's probably right. That's actually not prayer. When you pray with that kind of attitude, that, that isn't prayer. That is mere talking to the walls. <laughs> prayer is talking to God with the faith that God is listening. Prayer is talking to God, not just saying a formula that starts with dear God. Prayer is a genuine dialogue of the heart that believes that God exists, that God cares, that God is powerful and merciful. That's what prayer is. That's what real prayer is. Is that genuine place of opening your heart to God. Jesus says this. I'm not making this up. God says it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You see, one of the reasons why we don't experience God and one of the reasons why we don't experience the answers to prayer 
and we don't we still feel like God is not real is because we don't have that faith. It is very counterintuitive, right? We want God to prove himself, then we will believe. But the Bible is very clear. He says, believe and you will know that I am God. We have to have faith in God to see God, to be able to experience God. Yes, sometimes God comes to us supernaturally and and interrupts us and makes us see him and makes us concentrate on him. There are moments like that. But generally, he says, believe first, obey first. Then you will see that what I say is true, that I am real. One day, our father brought his young son to Jesus' disciples to be healed. Jesus was away on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And so then the rest of the disciples are there, you know, filling in the gaps while Jesus is away. And um, this little boy, you know, is, is sick, is ill. And, and the father says, can you, can you heal him? The disciples try, but it doesn't work. And then Jesus comes down from the mountain. The father now is skeptical because of his experience. And uh, he says this, he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And um, Ben, can you just go to the next slide? I don't think I'm connected anymore. And Jesus says, um, uh, the father says to Jesus, have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love that prayer. And if you, are, if you have doubts, that's the first prayer you should pray. God, I do believe, but help me believe more. Help me believe better. I believe this much. And, and yes, Father, I, I admit my faith is small. Increase my faith. Help me believe more. Faith makes us participants in the answer to prayer. Jesus says to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Here's another condition. And, and you might be wondering, why, why does God have conditions to prayer, right? Shouldn't he just listen to us no matter what? And I want to be clear here. God loves us no matter what. But he doesn't always answer our prayers no matter what. First of all, because he's a being with feelings and thoughts and, and desires and plans. And his greatest desire and plan is to save us. He wants us to be free from the things that enslave us, from the trappings of selfishness. And so he wants us to be free to love others and to love God. And so he wants to transform us through prayer. So he doesn't just want to answer our prayers. He actually wants to change us. That means each time we pray, each time we open ourselves to God, he wants to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. He wants us to help us make better choices, to learn to trust him, to stop hurting God, to stop hurting others. So why doesn't he listen if we're hurting other people and if we don't want to change that? 
Or imagine, imagine if I, you know, say something or do something hurtful to my husband. But then I talk to him like, nothing's wrong. Sometimes I do that. And he gets really upset because it's disrespectful to him and, to, and it shows I just want him to meet my needs, but I don't care about his needs, right? I just want you to do what I want, but you know, it doesn't matter if I hurt you. You just continue to, you know, continue it like everything's fine. And so if, if something is wrong, then Roy wants me to first, and which is the normal thing, right? We all want the other person to first apologize and acknowledge that there's been a break in the relationship to say, I'm sorry. And once that's been done and the relationship restored, you can carry on, right? And so God says, I don't want you to come to me and talk to me like nothing's happened when you've hurt me and hurt my other children. He says, first, go be right. Go make things right. Go apologize. Even if they're not willing to forgive you, you apologize. And if you've hurt me, apologize. Don't just pray for things. Say, God, I'm sorry. The, the reason why there are conditions to prayer is because God is not just this wishing well. God is a, is, is a being. And there's a relationship there. And prayer is how we communicate to God and build that relationship. And so he wants the prayer time to be a time of restoration of ourselves to God and our relationships with others. And that's why he says in Matthew, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, or you can say if you're coming to church, you're, you're going to God in prayer, you're opening your Bibles, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Notice how it doesn't say, oh, you remember you've actually done something wrong. No, it says, when you remember someone else has something against you. So even if you're innocent, right? Even if you're innocent, but you know there's somebody who's upset with you, God says, I want you to go and do your best to be reconciled to that person. Right? Then come back and talk to me. He also says this, if you ask, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty as is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. You see, here's the reason why faith is so important. When you kind of believe in God, but not really sure, and your life is such that, yes, you honor God sometimes, but you really have all their priorities that, are, that take up more of your time, that take all your effort, that t t take up your thoughts. Imagine if God does answer your prayer. Okay, You ask for something, it happens. Is that going to make you worship God and believe God more? And I'm going to be honest with the answer is no. What happens when a person has divided loyalties and has doubts and, you know, but then prays and their prayer is answered, in, instead of saying thank you, God, and believing in God, they say that was a coincidence. Or they even forget that they even prayed that prayer. And they go on living that divided loyalty life. And you know what happens? Instead of being a blessing, that person becomes a pain in the butt. You know, 
and I know that you know, there are, there are Christians who misrepresent Jesus. And they are a pain in the butt in the sense that the world looks at those Christians, and it might be us, and they're turned off. They don't want to know a God like that. They don't want to know a Jesus that you follow who is like you. So if God answers the prayers of those who misrepresent Jesus, right, then God would be condoning that kind of Christianity. But that, that is not what God wants. God wants every single person to know Jesus for who he really is. And so he answers the prayers of those who genuinely, wholeheartedly believe that God exists, that God cares, and that God is powerful enough to do something. Because he knows that a wholehearted follower of Jesus, when their prayer is answered, is going to glorify God. Is going to thank God and honor God and use that answer to prayer for God instead of feeding that selfish loop that we as human beings naturally do. So, for example, if you pray for, for a particular situation and God answers that situation, that might actually end up, you know, you're happy at the moment, but you might be using that to further your selfishness, which ultimately God doesn't want. God wants you to be saved. So that might mean that sometimes God says no, because God is a good parent. No good parent says yes all the time, right? That makes sense. You know, I let the kids watch TV sometimes, and I'll tell them just one episode. When the episode ends, what do they want? They want another one. And if I say no, oh, the, the anger, right? Oh, the injustice. It's not fair. It's not fair, right? And, and they get so upset, even though I told them just one. And if I were to give, you know, say, okay, fine, you can watch another one. And then after another 15 minutes, okay, fine. If I keep saying yes, not only am I hurting them, but we're hurting the relationship because they're not trust my words anymore, right? They know that our oh, mom doesn't really mean it. Next time, I know I can get away with it, right? We're breaking the, the trust relationship. I'm becoming a bad parent, and I'm hurting them in the process. I just realized I skipped Kim's children's story. <laughs> we'll come back to the children's story. I'm so sorry, Kim. I just realized as I'm looking at the kids and talking about parenting. Um, We'll come back. <laughs> um, sorry, Kim. So, you know, a good parent has to say no. A good parent has to say no. And so in the same way, God sometimes has to say no. Because he's trying to grow us. Because he's trying to protect us. Because he wants us to become individuals who can make better choices. Right? Sometimes we can't handle what God could give us if we're not ready yet, right? We're not ready sometimes for the blessings that God wants to give us. And we're definitely not ready for some things that we want. Because here's the other thing about children, is sometimes they want things, but those things change after a week. You know, you walk through a store, a toy shop, and they'll see something, oh, I really want that truck. Oh, mommy, can I have it? I really want that truck. Now, if I give in and just give them the truck, Guess what happens, which I've done. Two days later, it's like sitting in the corner. They don't care about that truck. I just wasted 15 bucks, right? And that happens again and again because they're, they don't really want it. They just want it in that moment because they see it. 
And so sometimes when you pray, God says, I want you to persist in prayer. Why? Not because he's, you know, sitting there saying, oh, let's see how long he can pray. No, because he knows that our desires change. He knows that, that we, we might pray for it once, but we'll actually forget about it or that it's not really what we want. And so he wants to see, do you, is that really what you want? He wants us to know our own desires. So sometimes he waits for us to know it for ourselves. And he knows that if we keep praying for it, then we know that's something we really want. Right? Jesus says, Matthew 7, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if, you're, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, God loves to give us good gifts. But like any good parent, he's going to make sure that we get them in a way when we're ready and when it's good for us. And he actually wants us to be grateful for them you know we teach our children to say thank you when they get something and we tell them to say it every time right every time before they eat to say thank you to jesus and to say thank you to whoever cooked it why because no matter how many times a day they eat right it's still a blessing it's something they should not take for granted but think about how many things we take for granted the things that we have every day that we forget to say thank you for. Our lives, our jobs, our relationships, our family, the food, the money we have in the bank, the clothes we wear. How many times do we thank God for the incredible blessing of living in this country, for the shelter and the food that we have? Right? We need to give thanks. And so God says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, prayer changes us by giving us peace. And we experience that peace because while we are thanking God for all that he has done, we realize through that thanking process, wow, God is doing so much for me, right? God has done all this for me in my past, which means my present troubles, my present worries, I can give to God because he will take care of them also. Prayer is not about changing God's mind, but about experiencing God's peace as we believe in faith that he will take care of us in his way, in his time. Prayer is a surrendering of our hearts to God. It's saying, God, you take charge. You mold my life circumstances. You take me and everything that's going on in such a way that brings you glory. Make me an instrument of your peace and your love and your joy. You see, if we pray that kind of prayer, then amazing things can happen. See, so many times we pray for ourselves, and that's okay. God wants us to pray for ourselves. But how many times do we say, God, take me and everything that's in my life. Take my life circumstances as they are, and you have my permission, God, to lead the ship, to be the captain, to lead the way, and to use me as a blessing for others. When we give God that carte blanche and we give that God that, that permission, that surrender, right? 
then amazing things can happen. And that's when you see God working and you're like, wow, that's not something I would have orchestrated. That's not something I would have ever chosen. God did that. And that's when you see God. That's when your faith in God can grow. That's when you can experience him. You know, 10 years ago, if someone had said to me, you're going to be pastoring in Melbourne, Australia. There's no way I would have, you know, that's not something I would have ever prayed for because that's not something I ever wanted, right? I never in my wildest dreams as a child did I say I want to grow up and live in Australia, right? I'm from the U.S. and most Americans don't think about living in a different country, right? We just kind of live in, a lot of Americans just kind of live in their own states, right? Maybe they go interstate, but, you know, never did I think I was going to end up here. This is something God has done. And there's no doubt in my mind because it's too crazy where my life has ended up. Never would I, you know, did I dream I would have two boys, you know? Grew up with like a list of names of girls that I wanted, right? Ever since I was a little girl. I knew I wanted to name my daughters Lydia, Sylvia, like I had a whole list, Julia, right? And um, along came my two boys and I loved them. And, and that was God, right? That was God. He when we give our lives to him and we say, God, you take control, he does things we would never have dreamt of, but he gives them to us in a way that is beyond our imagination as a blessing. I'm so grateful that I'm in Melbourne. I'm so grateful that I get to pastor this community. I'm so grateful that I get to mother my two boys. Right? You know, growing up, my parents um, were immigrants in the U.S. I was born in Korea. I moved to the U.S. when I was seven. And uh, unlike Australia, America, it can be a very, can be a very, very difficult place to live. And I'm sure Australia can be as well. But um, in America, my parents really struggled as, as, um, as immigrants to be able to, you know, get a job without being fluent in English and all that. And so I grew up literally living month to month. Every month, every day was a miracle. And so growing up, prayer was such a regular part of our family's lives because we had to pray that we could pay the rent. We had to pray that we could have enough food. We had to pray that we could have enough petrol in the car to go to church. I remember one time, is, uh, one, one experience, we had so many answers to prayer, but one in particular stands out in my mind. It was Friday afternoon and church, you know, was about 35 minutes away and we didn't have enough money to put petrol in the car to be able to go to church. And my dad was teaching, you know, the Bible class. We had to go to church. And my parents never miss a week of ch- a day of church in their whole lives. And so we have to be dead. My mom taught me, you, you, if you're dead, then you can't go. But if you're alive, you got to go. <laughs> and so, you know, we prayed, God, we need the money. We don't have any money. Not, we had like $2. That's it. In the bank. Or not even in the bank. That's all we had. And so... We prayed, God, give us, give us, or help us to be able to get to church. We didn't just say give us money because there's so many ways we could have made it. Who knows what God, he could have transported us. Anyways, we prayed, God, help us to get to church. And we prayed that prayer. It was, it was Friday afternoon. And my dad usually doesn't check the mail Friday afternoon because usually the mail was like bills. And so he didn't want to worry about that during the Sabbath. And so he usually didn't check his mail. But Friday afternoon, he, after we prayed, he felt really impressed to go open his mailbox. So he opened his mailbox. And there was a letter from someone that we knew, but not someone we knew well. And it was a letter that was addressed, obviously, several days before. And he opened the letter and it said, I feel impressed by God to send you this money. There was a $20 bill. This is 
1994 when $20 filled the whole tank. <laughs> and, it, and, and so quickly before the sunset, my, my dad went and picked up the petrol. We went to church. And we were able to use that whole tank for the whole you know, month. Um, I remember I, was, I had to wear hand-me-downs. And um, there, were all these, there were bullies that would sometimes make fun of my clothes. And I remember there was, this was in sixth grade. There was a girl named Nadine. We never forget. The victims never forget the names of the bullies. <laughs> and if you don't remember the name of your bully, that means you are the bully. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe you were blessed to be in, a, in a, a school environment where there was no bully. But I remember the name of my bully was Nadine. And she would tease my looks because I wore these hand-me-downs, which meant I used to be like super skinny. And I remember um, the clothes were always so big, you know, so always these baggy clothes that didn't fit and clothes that didn't look great or didn't match or they weren't the latest brands. I'm so glad that there's school uniforms in Australia. But in America, we, didn't, we don't have school uniforms in public schools. And so um, if you're not wearing the latest trends or the latest brands, right, or the coolest brands, then you were teased. And so I was teased. I was bullied by this girl. Every day I would come home and cry, right? And um, my mom said, let's pray about this. And so she said, you know, let's pray that God will give you courage and wisdom to talk to her. And, and um, you know, just let's, let's pray. So we prayed, and I was like, all right. So I got to school, and I'm like praying in my head. Oh, maybe she won't believe me today. Maybe I don't have to do it at all. And then there it goes. She said something cutting about some, this, the jumper that I was wearing. So I prayed, you know, in my head, dear God, please give me strength and courage and wisdom. And then I prayed, and somehow, and I was extremely shy. I'm still a little bit shy. But I was to be extremely shy. Like I hardly ever said a word without blushing. And um, I, God, I know it's God because I'm, you know, can you imagine this shy little girl like speaking up to her bully? I, I opened my mouth and I said to her, Nadine, why are you so mean to me? And I remember she was like floored. Like she didn't expect me to say anything, right? Because usually I didn't. And she didn't know what to say in response. Because guess what? She has no reason to be mean to me, right? And all of a sudden, she just, she kind of grunted something. I don't know what she said. And she kind of shuffled away. She never bothered me again. So for me, you know, I'm giving you these kinds of examples. I have so many more examples, you know, of, of God answering my prayer for a full scholarship to Princeton. God answered my prayer for a full sponsorship to um, my Master of Divinity degree. God answered my prayer for a husband, right? <laughs> God answered my prayer that, that we, God would give us a place where we could plant a church together. And he gave us Melbourne, Australia. Right? Us praying, God, we don't have any funding for to begin a church in Melbourne. Give us a free venue. And God gave us this space. Two weeks ago, when, when Roy was praying, uh, preaching, he was, well, he was going to preach about God's still small voice. But for those of you who are here, there was this uh, super loud drilling. Do you remember that? Up here. And, uh, you know, we're in the back getting ready to, for the service to start. And we're praying. And, you know, we're like, how are you going to preach about God's still small voice with this really loud drilling? And, you know, so distracting. And Joshua was crying because it was scaring him because it was so loud. And so while we were, when we were back there praying, you know, for the service, we prayed, God, stop the drilling. And I don't, you know, and then the day ended and Roy and I, you know, as we're driving home, we're like, huh, did, there was no more drilling after that. 
you know, because we get so busy caught up in the service that we didn't take the time to remember at the moment, but we realized on the way home, it stopped. When we prayed that prayer, it stopped. You see, God does so many things in our lives if we give God control of our lives. If we say, God, take everything I have, take everything I am, take all my life circumstances and you lead the way. And every time we go to God in prayer, we believe in faith that he will do, that he can do what he promises. And it might not always be the way that we expect. Just like I said, a good parent doesn't give children everything they want exactly when they want it, the way they want it. But when we trust that God as our good father will give us exactly what we need and exactly what we want in the right time, in the right way, then we can live a life of peace. Instead of being anxious all the time, instead of being fearful all the time, we can take those things to prayer and say, God, you take it, you mold me, you guide my life. I thank God that I didn't always get what I want. Before I met Roy, I dated other guys and I would pray that it worked out and it didn't. And I thank God for that. I thank God that sometimes God said, wait. I remember... Um, after we had Micah, after a couple years, we, we wanted to have another child, but it took a year. It took a year, and we had a miscarriage in between. And I remember after it all happened, right, being so grateful that it worked out the way that it did. Sometimes things don't work out the way that we expect. Sometimes life is not pleasant. Sometimes we have loss and we have pain. But God says to us in those moments, just trust me. Just trust me. There was a time in Israel's history when they were in a bad place. It was mainly because of their own fault, but regardless, they were in a bad place. And God sends Jeremiah to speak to them. And he says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You see, when we're not wishy-washy about our faith in God, when we're not half in the world, half, you know, in, in God's kingdom, when we are completely devoted to God in the sense of, doesn't mean that you do all the right things. Okay? That's not what wholeheartedly means. David is called, you know, someone who's, who's, who's wholehearted, but we know David messed up a lot. Okay? So it's not about not sinning. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about wholeheartedness to God means saying, God, I am a sinner, right? Remember that tax collector who did all the wrong things? He goes to God and says, God, I want you. I, want, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to save me. I want you to change me. So wholehearted means wholeheartedly looking to God as our only hope. Not looking at our securities, not looking at our relationships, but saying, God, you are my only hope. You are my only sure thing, and I trust you. Not myself, not a, I trust you. And I trust that you are going to be, I, I give you control to lead my life, right? That kind of wholeheartedness is what I'm talking about. When we do that, he says, you will find me. You will experience me. You will know that I am God and that I am good and that I love you. He has a future and a hope for us that we can't imagine. It's better than the nicest house in the nicest suburb, right? It's better than the perfect life partner. 
It's better than all the things that, you know, we kind of dream about when we kind of think about, oh, man, when we daydream, right, about a, a perfect life. God has a plan and a future and hope for you that's so much better than that. That, that, that has things that are more joyful, more meaningful, you know. Roy and I don't own a house. We don't have a lot to our name. But you know what? We love our lives. Roy says he wants a house. <laughs> but we love our lives. And we feel so blessed because God has given us a life that we could never have dreamt of 20 years ago, 30 years ago. When we live a life that is wholeheartedly devoted to God, when we live a life of prayer where we let God change us, when our prayers are genuine, when our prayers are humble, when our prayers are based on faith in God, then our lives will be about God who is in heaven, about making his name holy. Our purpose will be about bringing down his kingdom here, doing his will on earth as it is in heaven, about appreciating our daily bread, about Letting God forgive us as we forgive others. And he will keep us from temptation and rescue us from the evil one. Because his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. G.K. Chesterton, who inspired C.S. Lewis, who is a, who is a, is a famous Christian apologist and, and writer and journalist and everything. He said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. In other words, it's not that we cannot achieve or become who God calls us to be. It's because we find it difficult so we don't actually do it wholeheartedly, right? We don't throw ourselves into it. If we really threw ourselves into it, if we really if we really gave it our all, then we would experience God in such a way that we can we will never doubt again. In the book of James, this is uh, one of the brothers of Jesus. You know, imagine growing up with Jesus. One of Jesus' brothers who grew, who grew up with him and later became a follower of Jesus, in, in, not just as a brother, but as his Lord. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. You see, God says, pray for each other. When we pray for each other, something special happens. You know, th that secret prayer of you praying by yourself is super important. But it's also important to pray for and with each other. Why? Jesus says, when two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there amongst them. You see, when Micah asked me for something, I consider it. But when the two of them come to me, united, right? And they ask me for something, it's a lot harder to say no. Not because, you know, I, I wasn't considering it, but because I love the fact that they're working together, you know? I love the fact that I see harmony. And God looks down and he knows that we're so mean to each other. But when we are agreed on something and we come together, God's like, you know what? 
I like this. So, okay, I will, I will give you because that means you can work together, right? Remember that song we sang a few weeks ago when we all work together, right? And God's work is our work and your work is my work, something like that. But God loves it when we pray together. There is something special that happens when we pray together. God answers the prayer in a way that, that really brings us uh, together to work for him better. So for the next eight weeks, in April and May, we want you to have a prayer partner. And so my phone number is in the back of the bulletin. And uh, for those of you watching online, you can message us on Facebook or YouTube. If you want a prayer partner, so this is for, you're committing for eight weeks, April and May, to pray with someone. And that person that we, we'll let you know who that person is. Um, you know, we'll get the list of everyone. And um, you just have to pray over the phone. You don't have to meet in person. If you can meet in person, great. But if not, just do it over the phone. And you just tell each other, here, here are some things that I would like prayer for. You share about it. Then you just pray for each other. Right? The ladies, we did that for the two months of um, fe uh, February and March. And it was such a blessing for those of you who were able to come on. We don't, we don't say a whole lot. You know, we, 30 minutes was all that it took for all of us to pray. I think at one point we had like eight or nine ladies. But one person would say, this is what I need prayer for. Somebody would pray. Someone else, this is what I need prayer for. And then pray, right? That's it. And yet... When that happens and you and the following, it's like, oh, yeah, we prayed for that and we got an answer and we're able to just feel encouraged and affirmed um, through that experience. And so just text me. You just have to text me PP. They'll know that you want a prayer partner. All right. Um, and we'll match you up. And I want to encourage you to, to do that. I've been so blessed by prayer partners in my life. I've had various ones um, over the years and they have been such a pillar of strength for me. Um, when I pray with them, I experience God in a whole different way than when I pray by myself. Um, so please, I encourage you to, to, uh, get a prayer partner. Accountability is a powerful thing. You know, I am not, I don't exercise. I would like to in my, in my ideal life, but it's, I, I struggle, right? Um, but somehow I have been signed up. I've, I've signed myself up, I should say. To run 5K tomorrow morning um, with Michelle and Janelle is doing 10K, I believe. Um, accountability is a powerful thing. <laughs> There's no way that I would have run 5K. But because they said, let's do this. Okay. And I really don't want to do it, but I will because of accountability. So having a prayer partner is going to, um, even though sometimes you're going to be like, oh, I have to do this. But you're going to be glad when it's done. Just like I'll be glad when it's over tomorrow. <laughs> Um, so yes, we want to encourage you to sign up. Also, while the, while the song of reflection is, is playing in a moment, I want to encourage you to take some time for, for silent prayer for yourself. I want to challenge you to, to drop the facade, right? You don't have to tell God the things he already knows and the things that you need, like just at the superficial level of, you know, we always ask for the, the circumstances in our life to change, but I want to ask you to pray for the character to change. Right? Not just the life circumstances, but your character. Ask God to really show you what your, your struggles are in your character. Right? I know what mine are. Right? I get so impatient, so upset with my kids. Right? And it comes from that place of fear. There's a lot of other things. you know. So ask God to show you what, what you're, what's really going on in your heart. And to ask God to help you change 
and transform your character, to transform your priorities, to transform your life goals and and just your whole direction, right? To really give God control and to ask for greater faith, right? To ask for greater undivided loyalty to him. And then after that, we'll have our children's story. <laughs> and so if you could just take this moment, help us increase our faith, help us to be wholly devoted to you, help us to give you control of our lives so that we can experience you, so that we can go on this adventure that is faith-based and that leads to eternity. Father, I pray that those who are going through difficulty now, who are facing loss or suffering or just whatever hardships in various ways, I pray that you would answer their prayers, that you would provide for them, that, Father, for those who are watching online, wherever they may be, that you would be with them in a special way, that you would transform their hearts, that you would come to us where we are and take us to where you want us to be. Help us to pray not just about our jobs and our, and our, and our weather and, and our lives. Those are important, but, Father, help us to pray for our salvation, for our characters, for the salvation of others. And help us, Father, to be free from the things that keep us so anxious and fearful and give us peace and give us love and give us joy so that we can represent you rightly to the world and that they too would want to know you and follow you. This is my prayer in your son's name. Amen.